This is the special release of Talking Tactics, where we show you the career-making power of a single, clever tactic idea. I'm your host, Diana Kibiltz, Strategy Director at Ology, and this is what I have for you. Five inspiring episodes, five higher ed pros you'll recognize, each with a story of a single tactic that opened up doors in their career and in some cases, even redefined the norms of how we do our work in higher ed. Join me as we take a trip down memory lane to their early career moments, the challenge they had to solve, and the tactic that did the trick. After all, if a single tactic defined the trajectory of their career, what's stopping you from defining yours? Are you ready? Let's talk tactics. Well, hi, hello, tactic friends. I'm happy to be in your ears once again. I'm your host, Day Kibbilds, and I have yet another amazing special release episode of Talking Tactics just for you. Today, we get to chat about the tactic that supercharged the career of one of my favorite people in the whole world, my friend and co-author, Ashley Budd. Hi, Ash. Hi, Day. <laughs> what you all didn't see, because this is just audio, is Ashley laughing at my podcast voice as I was saying all that. <laughs> uh, Ash, will you uh, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you work? I work at Cornell University. I'm the director of advancement marketing. So I ship all the alumni and giving solicitations out the door. And she means that figuratively, everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what else are you involved in in higher ed? I am a conference junkie. Oh my gosh. I like to speak. Um, I consult with other universities. I'm excited to start working with the College of Holy Cross and Western Michigan University this year. Cool. I write. Um, I try to get all of the information out of my brain and I share stuff in a newsletter called Ashley in Your Inbox. Which everyone should go subscribe. And then we wrote a thing. We did write a thing. What's the thing about? It's about email. Yes, it is. Email sucks. And And we're going to fix it. Make it better for all of us. We can help everyone fix it. So at some point in 2024, the spring of 2024, there will be a book about email that Ashley and I wrote together, everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So go, go, go look for us so you make sure you don't miss it. But we're not here to talk about email. We're not here to talk about any of those things necessarily. We are here to talk about Ashley's career. And Ashley is a very successful higher ed pro nowadays. A lot of people know her name. But she started just like the rest of us in a job, in admissions at some point. So Ashley, will you take us back to your very first role in higher ed? What were you doing? I started in the admissions office as a tour guide. Yes. Uh, That was my college undergrad job. And at some point, I was frustrated 
with something happening on campus and I told them I can't be a tour guide anymore. I'm going to say like, I can't be like this positive. I can't do it. So instead they put me at the front desk. As oh, <laughs> that's not any better. Um, so I, I sat and I checked people in and then ended up doing that role over the summer and just got more into the business of the office and then um, graduated with a painting degree and mm-hmm. thought, maybe I should get a master's in something um, that will help me earn more money. So I started working in the admissions office full time and taking grad school classes. And that was my first job. Oh my gosh. That I, Why is it that being a tour guide is like the gateway drug to a career in higher ed? It is, yeah. right? Yeah. It totally mm-hmm. is. So what was that first full-time role that you had? I was an admissions counselor. Um, I recruited in all five boroughs of New York City and Long Island, and they thought a 22-year-old could handle this because I convinced them because I spent six months abroad with oh. no with no iPhone. So surely, if I can navigate Europe with, um, <laughs> uh, you know, on my own, I could handle New York City. And I did that job for about six years. It was the same time that Twitter happened, mm. the good old days of early Twitter. Um, Facebook opened up to people outside of universities, they opened up to the public, and RIT was asking, you know, would it be creepy if we were had a Facebook page? And I said, yes, let's do that. So um, <laughs> we built RIT's whole social media presence in that time when I was there. And um, that was a lot of fun. That was all yeah. new stuff. Yeah. You know what I, I love about doing this series right now with you and, and the other guests of the special release is that we're all kind of contemporary. So our career started around that time. And like there's a yeah. there was like that big technological disruption that happened to all of us. And, and in different ways, we were all like, oh, my gosh, yeah, let's try this. And it's happening right now. So listeners... We are in it again. You yeah. have AI. You have a whole new generation of students. Like yeah. it's happening again. <laughs> yeah. Like everything had to change for the yeah. iPhone. Um, it, and yeah. I had, when I started that job, I had a Blackberry Pearl. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was the tipping point. Other people had the Razor phone. Like that was, and then we were like, oh shit, websites don't work on these. <laughs> Did <laughs> it have that we're doing? Did yeah. it have like the full keyboard? Full keyboard, the like very tactile, yeah. satisfying rolly ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, you're in this role as an admission mm-hmm. counselor. You have these territories. Um, you uh, are were helping RIT create these Facebook pages. What you know, I'm sure you're starting to look around and being like, this isn't quite working. Like, we need to try something new. What was a challenge that you saw, or like a problem that you wanted to solve? Yeah. So right at the same time, uh, so I graduated with my BFA in 2007 and we like walked swiftly into the 2008 recession, the Mm. housing market collapses and lots of people lose jobs. Mm. Um, Everybody's broke. And RIT now a nationally arranged university at the time was really more, um, they're up and coming regional, um, and really dependent on, students getting onto campus to Mm -hmm. see what this place was because it wasn't as much of a known entity as some of its competitors. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they knew the 
number one converter was get a student on this campus and get them on a tour with a tour guide, like the chances of that student enrolling is so much harder, so much higher than any of our other recruitment tactics. So 2008 happens and people can't travel. Like they can't afford the gas. (laughs) They can't get to campus. Um, And so we're really challenged with like how, how do we reach prospective students if we know the secret sauce is like getting them here and the students that we want to recruit can't come. Right. So what do we do about that? You know, it's funny because I feel like this was, you know, it was an issue then, but it's still very much an issue. Like, first of all, every college believes that the campus visit is the thing, right? It it is the secret sauce. And for a lot of people, I mean, it is, it's the moment where you kind of, it's a go, no go situation. Right. Yeah. Um, but now even, even, even still, right. It's so hard to get to campus and, uh, especially for some like families that, live out in rural areas or can't take time off work. So it's still very much a prevalent issue, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what idea did young Ashley have back then to solve this? So uh, it was a digital strategy skill that I learned. Like I didn't understand it in hindsight, but it's something that I've been able to replicate and apply. Um, And I think... I was part of a very innovative team. Our director of admission at the time had his background was computer science. So I was very enabled (laughs) to think (laughs) of like technology solutions and digital solutions. And then he would say like, yeah, let's just build that. Cause he knew the technology exists. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. we can do this. We're RIT. We've got tech people all around us. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that was very motivating and enabling. Um, And so we were doing the same thing MIT was doing at the time. We had a student blog program that started in 2003. So we were way out ahead of taking our student tour guides and giving them an online platform Mm -hmm. uh, because we were watching what MIT was doing. Um, but, um, but then we took it farther. And so, you know, and this was the tactic, it was taking what that in-person secret sauce thing is and using technology to translate that same experience online. So Mm -hmm. how close can we get it? And we can get it damn close. Like we have, now we have really high quality mobile video cameras that we can take on tour. So let's get that up online immediately. Um, We advocated to get the Google trike and Google um, Maps cars onto campus while they were demoing it. We were the first campus to get the trike into all of our pathways because we wanted, we told them we would leverage it for our student online tours. Um, So we thought of like, what were all of the steps, what were all of the moments, the steps, um, that someone would take that would help them make their decision and how can we replicate that online. Um, so the virtual tour stuff was was definitely part of it. Um, and then we took these same tour guides and asked them to do more. So we did video series that um, me as a millennial <laughs> modeled after uh, MTV's Real World. So I like oh my gosh, RIT students and <laughs> give them a camera and put them in a college situation and ask them to record. Are their you life. serious? What? Um, 
Um, yeah, so we had the video series, like, this is what my day looks like. Come with me. I give them all iPod touches. <laughs> um, and they could, like, cast video and and speak to students. And then we would do, like, chats, video chats during yield season and put them put them with the tour guides that we knew made the difference. Well, it happened again. Prospect Paul is excited about attending your institution, but is getting consistently confused by all the information and tasks he needs to complete to enroll, creating friction, and even worse, melt. You knew this would happen again, which is why you've been flagging the need for a come-to-Jesus meeting with leadership from marketing, admissions, and IT to audit the digital experience for prospective students. Here's the problem, though. You're not going to convince Mark from marketing to let go of his marketing automation software, or Adriana from admissions, who just got set up with her new CRM, or Isabel from IT, who is still working through ticket requests from last Christmas. But what if... You could come to the table with a solution that did not require anyone to let go of their software, while at the same time ensuring a frictionless experience for prospects and current students alike. Well, my friend, guess what? Today is your lucky day. Meet Pathify, an innovative higher ed engagement hub that puts students at the center of their college journey. Pathify sits at the center of your school's digital ecosystem, becoming the single user experience interface, tying together all systems, content, and communications. Their engagement hub elevates the information that matters most and pushes systems like the SIS behind the scenes where they belong, making it simpler for students to discover and engage with the opportunities your institution provides at every step of their higher ed journey from prospect to alum. What's even better, Pathify has a mobile experience that provides 100% parity with the responsive web app, so your campus app is always in sync. Pathify is a platform that every stakeholder on campus, from marketing to admissions to student affairs to IT, etc., can get equally excited about. Learn more about how Pathify is uniting strategic units across campus and bettering the entire student experience by visiting pathify.com. And be sure to tell them that day from Talking Tactics sent you their way. You know what I find astounding about this? Like, this was what, 2008? 2008. Mm -hmm. Like, there are, like, people still think this is innovative today. You were doing it 15 years ago. That's incredible. Wow. So did you think it would work? Like, did you think your audiences would be receptive to receiving digital content? Yeah, I thought it was, it like was a no brainer, right? Like it worked, it works in real life and online is real life. And I think I inherently knew that as mm-hmm. a digital native where my predecessors still were, didn't understand. Yeah. You know, I just lived four years of college. Like Facebook came out in my freshman year. So mm-hmm. I lived that in a way that others maybe hadn't. Um, hadn't been able to trust. And, you know, they would ask, like, how are you giving permission to these students? Like, you're just letting them publish stuff. And I was like, you just let me walk around campus with families. Like, you don't know what I said. Oh, my gosh. Right. A hundred percent. 
They would yeah. ask me a question. I for sure would make it up to sound like <laughs> in the world. That- and sell. So now yeah. I can see what they're saying. <laughs> I, I don't think you and I have ever talked about this, but like this is something I say all the time to folks that are resistant to getting student ambassadors to create content and just publish it. It's like, well, don't you let them out with the families all by themselves? Like at least here you can take it down, like monitor and take it down. Like we've we already give them permission to publish. Um, anyway, that's amazing. This is why we are the same. We I think I would have thrived working with you back then. So um, you talked about the iPod, iPod Touch, right? iPod There's, Touch. Yeah, yeah. cameras. What are the resources? Network and it was basically <laughs> an iPhone, right? Um, what other resources did you need to implement? And like, did you need permissions? Like, did you need, did you have to overcome any challenges? Yeah, I mentioned that I was in this kind of unique position as a young person who um, saw that director of admissions as a mentor and had the relationship where I could just walk into his office and say, what do you think about this? And mm-hmm. he would recognize that like, okay, this is grounded in, in um, mm-hmm. something that, you know, something that's going to drive our goals mm-hmm. and let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was super, the, the support from leadership Um, and also I think there was enough flexibility and I think this can be hard for, especially someone in an admissions counselor role, like that is a demanding role, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. having the ability to take on projects, you know, like, I I don't know that everybody could just pick up and decide that they were going to start doing digital strategy from that position. Mm -hmm. So that was important. Yeah. I mean, a good leader makes a big difference. So what were the results of this after you put it all online? Yeah, I would, um, I would say this was one of the tactics that we leaned that we pointed to when we were able to describe how we were able to sustain enrollment through that recession, Mm -hmm. um, and still be able to recruit the same students, the same kind of profile students that we feared we wouldn't have been able to, Mm -hmm. um, and it also set a new standard for how we were going to communicate with students that we had this multi-channel approach. And um, if they couldn't make it to campus, we wanted to make sure that they had those digital resources in front of them. Yeah, I mean, that's also like how, like the house with access to like people you normally wouldn't have been able to reach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did you anticipate when you came up with the idea that it would be successful? Or were you just kind of like, let's wait and see? Um, I, I think I'm always hesitant to know whether things are going to like land as like, mm-hmm. are they, are they going to be adopted? Are they cool? Like, did I get it right? Like, <laughs> is it gonna land the way I think, the way I think it is. So I'm always skeptical of that. Um, which is why I try to share stuff all the time and get like early feedback. Yeah. (laughs) I know if I'm going in the wrong direction, but, um, I think the, the success of like what I learned through this was that I can apply this kind of thinking to all sorts of new emerging technology or situations where, you know, when I came to Cornell, I wanted to learn the secret sauce of those major gift officers. 
Yes. Why? Like you are doing the in-person stuff and people are giving you millions of dollars. What are you doing? What (laughs) is that? Yes. What, how does this happen? You talk to people and they just give you money. How? So, (laughs) um, so I really, I took that same thinking, like, what is this in-person experience that makes people open their wallets and give us millions of dollars and how can we translate those experiences into online experiences Mm -hmm. that can scale to a lot more people. Yeah. So uh, you're kind of hinting at like what came next there a bit too, Mm -hmm. which, and I'm curious, like I'm curious to hear from you after you left and you went to Cornell, like how, how has this type of thinking influenced your career? You think? I think it's given me the confidence that I like, I, I know how to, I know how to play with new emerging mm-hmm. technologies or, um, think about it in a way where I'm putting the experience first, mm-hmm. what experience do we want to have? And then, okay, now let's pick, now let's pick the tools that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know how else. Did you, so when you were back at RIT or uh, even later that like did the success of trying this get you any attention like did you get a promotion did you get like an article written about you how do people start yeah. noticing yeah yeah I I started talking about this stuff a lot I think um I went to my first regional high ed web conference at the same time when I was an admissions recruiter mm-hmm. 2009 I happened to be in the region mm-hmm. uh, recruiting where they were having a regional conference. And I saw Mallory Wilsey mm-hmm. give a talk about using students in YouTube videos for recruitment. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I like, you're talking about this. I can talk about this too. Yeah. Um, so a few years later, I gave a talk about my like MTV <laughs> driven <laughs> student videos and, um, Uh, a regional conference. And um, that really, I think, solidified my interest in like staying in this higher ed vertical. And Mm -hmm. um, it gave me the network to bounce the crazy ideas off of, Mm -hmm. validate them. Are they working? Are they just working at my school? Can these work at other schools too? Um, so yeah, trying new things and getting them out there has definitely been a driving part of my career sticking to this. Uh, so you said you take, you've taken this kind of same principle over to Cornell. Uh, I haven't given you a chance to prep an answer for this, so I'm sorry in advance, but have you tried like a tactic like that at Cornell that you're like, yeah, wow, we got results again, um, kind of under the same principle? Yeah, I think the like the huge takeaway for me and the like translating this to fundraising, yeah, was learning that there is a process um, for people to make a really strong connection with someone mm-hmm. and get them to the point where they will yes open their wallets and give you money in exchange yeah. for just your relationship. Like that was the thing I was really trying to unlock, and what I learned was that you have to take people through all of those like psychological um, steps Mm -hmm. to making that decision and like really leaning in on what a lot of sophisticated sales operations will do. Um, But a a gift officer doesn't just have one conversation with someone. 
they mm-hmm. work on that relationship for years. Mm-hmm. How do you scale that to something digital that you can do a lot quicker? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way I've been applying it is just kind of at a more rapid pace, mm-hmm. make sure that people know that we're there um, and then make sure that we spend time connecting with them mm-hmm. before we make an ask. Um, and um, that's been a really important part yeah. of balancing our communication is understanding that it is, this is a real, it is, it, this is a relationship building, um, mm-hmm. which is really different than the transactional way that a lot of the admissions work I was doing was. Yeah. Well, and when you think about it, it's kind of like, if you're going to do it at scale and it's what happened with the visit, like taking that kind of in-person visit experience that isn't a scale, right. Yeah. Um, turning it into something at scale, same relationship, same faces, same psychological triggers, but digital so more people can see it, right? Like it's it's a pretty close parallel to like soliciting for annual giving online, yeah. right? And and like a giving day kind of experience. So there is another great learning from a gift officer um, uh, who works with like principal gifts, like transformational tens of millions of dollars, these kinds of people. And she said, just to me in passing, in one of these conversations, she said, if you uh, ask for money, you will get advice. But if you ask for advice, you'll get money. (laughs) That sounds like secret sauce. Okay. (laughs) I need to ask for advice before I ask for money. And if I can think about how to like strategically make people engaged in a way that they feel like they're contributing mm-hmm. before I ask them for money. Will that change the conversion rate? Yes, it does. Wow. So it's like, how do we, how do we learn from these like in-person tried and true practices? It's like, what are the sayings? <laughs> and then how do you translate that into 2024? Wow. I love that. Speaking of advice, do you mm-hmm. have any advice for the early career professionals that might be listening right now? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I've started to think about, I think networking is so important and information mm-hmm. sharing is so important for early career professionals. And I started to think about networking, like exchange of information, mm-hmm. not just like grabbing people on LinkedIn that you're kind of connected to, but being more intentional, especially right now is so much of, the marketing communication space is changing mm-hmm. um, to ask, ask people for informational interviews or just ask people who are doing interesting things for your, their time and they will give it to you. Like mm-hmm. I have rarely been turned down when I've asked someone for 30 minutes just to, to ask them about something that they're doing, pick their brain. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that will take you a really long way um share something that you know with them too if you have something but, you have something um, collect all the information and if you have information get it out of your brain and share it with other people yeah I mean I think that's uh great advice because you really build connections and you start to you start to add value too um so right now in the like this pinnacle of <laughs> AI and like the shift from Gen Z to Gen Alpha do you have advice for folks kind of looking at this technology, like this big looming thing? Yeah. Um, I would say AI 
is important. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. I think I think in the in our space, um, it's really important to understand how it's gonna fundamentally change the way you talk to your computer, the way you interact with machines, computer devices. Like we are gonna move into a much more conversational Hmm. uh, way of working Mm -hmm. through all the apps that we have. Like instead of knowing which buttons to click and which formulas to use, like we're Mm -hmm. just going to be able to talk to things. Um, So just knowing that that's coming important. um, And, um, you know, I think another going another step is maybe understanding more of the prompt engineering of how it works if you really want to level up. But um, for folks who are kind of having an existential crisis over AI, um, where uh, especially creative people who feel like it's invading their craft, mm-hmm. I totally get it. Um, and to those of you who are feeling that way, I would say focus on uh, figuring out how AI can help do the bullshit work that mm-hmm. you have to do the repetitive stuff, the, um, the things that you don't like and see and start there. Um, because I think it'll be exciting to offload Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. stuff you don't like to do. Um, and that can be a motivating way to kind of step into all the new tools. Well, and like, uh, the first, the thing you said about, we're going to, we're going to just have conversations with machines now, like really makes me think too, about what people are going to expect out of our websites, what people are going to expect from our emails, what people are going to expect from interactions with our, our channels that we're putting out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, right now, if you have an idea, like if you're thinking, man, this just isn't going to work anymore this way. Like it's the time. If you, if you grab onto this now, 15 years from now, it could have changed your, your career completely. So if you're listening and you're kind of watching, this is the time. Shout out to Erica's Hall, Erica Hall's uh, conversational design book. Yeah, yes, that's right. Check her out, <laughs> Erica Hall, conversational design. All right, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your trajectory with us. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, of course. And if f- folks want to stay connected to Ashley, uh, look her up on LinkedIn. Uh, definitely recommend you sign up for Ashley in your inbox. Uh, that's exactly where and how Ashley shares all the stuff she's trying that she talked about today. So uh, look her up, find her. And thank you so much for tuning in today. And to my listeners, uh, really appreciate you staying with us to walk the walk and talk the talk. Thank you for listening to Talking Tactics. If you're inspired by what you heard today, I want to know. Find me on LinkedIn by searching for my name. That's Diana Kibilds, D-A-Y-A-N-A-K-I-B-I-L-D-S. And if you're enjoying Talking Tactics, please rate and review the show because there is nothing I love more than a good grade and positive reinforcement. Finally, If you just can't get enough good content, check out the other Enrollify Network podcasts for more higher ed marketing and admissions knowledge and inspiration. Season two of Talking Tactics is coming this January. Until next time, keep walking the walk and talking the tactics.